Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass, because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. Welcome to the Catholic Command Show. We're on the Lord's team at the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. Juan is the producer. And we have a very good friend, possibly the most reoccurring guest that we've had on the Catholic Man Show. I don't know. Potentially. I think he's tied with Pat Flynn. No. Really? Wants us with Pat Flynn, maybe. But we have Andrew Pudua here with us. Thank you for being here, Mr. Pudua. How many times is this? Four? I, I'm counting four. Yeah. Over, I don't know. Over the last couple of years. Yeah. 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 It's, you're up there. You're, you're definitely in the top three, I think. And your digs yeah. are so much nicer than like, yeah. I don't know, six thank months you. ago thank, or whenever thank I was you. here. We have to thank our patrons. Mm-hmm. They get they donate Indeed. to our show and like you you're you're a patron. I now. did finally sign up. Yeah, for, because I wanted the Pat Flynn videos because yeah. I'm newly into the. Fitness oh yeah, mentality. have you watched them? I have watched them. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I thought really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I I was, I was. It it seemed to start a little slow, but then it got better and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of drew me in, and that's of course what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was a that was a good addition, and um, yeah. you know that special stuff for your patrons. Mm-hmm. I think, Keep going with. Are that. you going to go get kettlebells? Um, you well, you know, go to the gym, so you, gym and they have kettlebells. They have all the they different have... sizes of kettlebells. So, right. Yeah, but I, I do. I like to try to use four at a time. <laughs> um, I have not. <laughs> I juggle. Figured out how to <laughs> I juggle kettlebells. That's what I do. I juggle. Oh, gosh, yeah. I like put one on my foot and lift it <laughs> while I'm lifting two with my hands. I, I missed that part. Was that in the <laughs> Pat Flynn program? Or have you ever seen like people doing stuff at the gym where it's like. You have no idea what you're doing. You're just making that up, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There. I've got some good ideas. You know, you, you look at someone and go, hey, I could probably do that. You oh, yeah. Try. No, it's no. Like, like, a lot of times, yeah. yeah the 99.9% of the time you see somebody at the gym, you're like, I didn't think about doing that exercise, exercise. over there on that machine, you know, or like, oh, I, I kind of see what you're doing. And it's a good idea. Yeah, so you, you try it out. A new muscle. You wait mm-hmm. for them to like yeah. not be looking and then you go and do it too. <laughs> right. But sometimes you see somebody... And it's like, no, bro. <laughs> that's not how that machine works. No. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not even a muscle that you're <laughs> you need to be working that's out. It's just gravity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would give a shout out to my personal trainer. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He yeah. is awesome. Probably the best trainer. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is also my son. Mm-hmm. And he's at the Genesis, you know, here in Tulsa. And he just got me on the right track right off. And I'm so grateful. How much him. how much have you lost, if you don't mind? Over 50 pounds. 50 yeah, pounds. Yeah, I hit like 60 pounds, and now I'm actually gaining back. Hopefully in the right places. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look great. Yeah, well, look great. You. I feel great. Yeah. Any, More energy? Any, anyone out there who is on the fence about just dive into nutrition and exercise, mm-hmm. it pays back. And you, Thousandfold. you're a guy who hated the gym, like the idea of going to the gym. Oh, yeah. You, you were not a like, gym person. Yeah, it's like it's awful, awful, dark music, horrible, stinky, right. cocky people. Right. All, all of those 
false impressions. Yeah. The stereotypes yeah. that you yeah. hear. Right. Yeah. Have you, been, you have to be prepared to practice custody of the eyes. If you're not currently going to the gym and you're saying, I'm going to go to the gym, just be ready. That's true. Custody of the eyes yeah. will be something that you need yeah. mm-hmm. when yeah. you go. That is, I, I agree with that. I have the slight advantage of just being older, so right. it's easier. Yeah. There is a certain age of, <laughs> of men at the gym that are allowed to talk to the, like, the young women who are you know, in the yoga pants and like clearly trying to get attention. I just see it happen like, oh, at a certain age, you're allowed to just go talk to them and you're not like old enough where it's creepy, but it's like they're not, they're not worried about like, oh, this guy is talking to me. You yeah, know? well, I don't. Really talk yeah, yeah. I don't either. Put in my earbuds, listen right. to great I'm, podcasts I'm, like the Catholic Men Show and Jordan Peterson and other stuff. Right. So yeah, sometimes keep my I brain think, going. Like, I wonder what people think I'm listening to because I have you know like my headphones in. Like they probably think I'm listening to music or something. Are, are you a music guy or? A, a, I'm over here listening to Les Misérables. You know, like at the gym, and like they probably have no idea. Valjean, right. at last we see each other. That's yeah. pumping. Yeah, that's totally. Great. Yeah. The book, the book, though, not the musical. Oh, that's that's e- that's even harder. You got to concentrate it's to incredible. follow a book like it's, that. It's my new favorite book. Is it really? Totally. Yeah. For now, I mean, like. Well, super. Yeah. Anyway, the whiskey. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's get into this. Okay. Oh, before we get into the whiskey, I just wanted to, to say something that we we've got a lot of new listeners recently. Okay. We've had a lot of feedback for uh, with new listeners. We ran a. a a Father's Day mm. giveaway, so there was a lot of people. We also were on EW10 recently, um, which brought in some new listeners as well. And so there are people who are just now tuning in to the show, yeah. and they were confused. What, what do we even do on this yeah, they, show? Yeah, they're confused about why we don't go straight into the topic. What do we, you know, what's, what's the purpose of the show? So just to let you guys know, the first thing we do is we open, review, and enjoy a beverage. A typically, manly beverage. Typically a whiskey, maybe a beer sometimes. And then sometimes we talk about a gear, and then we get into the topic. That's just how we structured the show. That's our show. So if you want to go start like start another show, if you that, don't like it, you can make your own show. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and that's I'm fine with that. Okay, but so anyway, uh, so today we're we are going to drink a Corner Creek Ten Year Bourbon. It's interesting because typically bourbons, especially these days, don't have an age, uh, and then. Sp- like definitely not a 10 year age mm-hmm. typically they're about four years right. right four six years maybe you get that like we had knob creek the nine year knob creek recently uh and nine nine years is quite a bit 10 and then you get 12 that that's pretty high it's pretty old for a bourbon mm-hmm. yeah so that's why bourbon's yeah, like, this. you say four years is that what you said yeah, four you years. to be bonded i think you have to be as I recall, yeah, I don't I think, remember. I think the, it's four years. I could be wrong. I think it's four years. I need to go back and look because every time you, you start throwing out these rules, and it's like, well, the, there's go. a lot of weird rules. Yeah, I just, like bourbon has some remember. strange rules. So let's, we're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So we're glass. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. So uh, Corner Creek. Oh yeah, I have the the notes right here. Do you want me to tell yeah, them to you, yeah, or do just, you want to just yeah, just go for it? Wing it. It's got some floral smells to it. Soft. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's not a harsh. Well, and it's also yeah, it is, it it's is under ninety proof. It's only forty four percent alcohol. Eighty eight okay. proof. Yeah, eighty eight proof. So typically, what happens whenever the, when it's the lower proofs like that, the peppery bites, the alcohol burn isn't as noticeable. It's I still softer. disagree that that's a lower proof. I think I still say eighty proof is pretty regular. 
I, that's, I mean, that's 42, 42 and 40, 42 for a scotch is, is, is really low. Um, I mean, I think your, your standard liquor is, is 40, 40%. If it's more than that, it's like, oh, it's more than normal. That's the way I think of it. Okay, that's fair. Does the aging change the percentage? Yeah, so the older a whiskey is in the barrel, the less alcohol it has. Because every year, more alcohol evaporates. It's called the angel share. Okay. So, um, you know, when it first barrel it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's super, super, super high. You mm-hmm. know, like close to 100% alcohol or something. Oh. Um, and then, or, you know, very high, whatever it is. And then every, as years go by, it's less and less alcoholic. And so... Um, when you drink a whiskey, they've watered it down. They actually add water to it oh, okay. to get it to the right alcohol proof that they're looking for. So the purest every, water. Of with mm. oh, only using the purest water and only the master pourers. So they don't just let anybody pour water in. Yeah. Uh, that'd, be re- that'd be reckless. And right. then bourbons have to be in a special kind of wood. Is that correct? Yes, yes. new. I, I think I had new heard New oak casks. White oak. American White cast. oak. White oak. I believe white yeah. oak is accurate. Yeah. And so every now and then you, you can buy barrel strength. Uh, you you can find barrel strength whiskey. Um, oh, Maker's Mark. They're one of the people you can pretty regularly find barrel strength. I remember about seven, eight years ago, the Japanese were buying up the world's supplies of yeah. bourbon. Mm-hmm. And there was a shortage of barrels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought at that time, wow, that'd be an interesting business, get into building, find a, a, a cooper, a real cooper, mm-hmm. who could create Tennessee white oak barrels. Mm-hmm. I never did it, but I thought, you know, be an interesting It'd business. It'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think the supply chain is reg- normalized. Probably. Yeah, but... Supply and demand works. Free enterprise is awesome stuff. It totally is. <laughs> it's my favorite. So the nose says uh, caramel, marshmallow, barrel char. Uh, if you swirl the glass, it reveals hints of coca, vanilla, sweet sugar gumdrops, and white pepper spice. <laughs> if you catch any of that. I don't know if you... It sounds like a creative writing exercise almost. But, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you can feel the gumdrops for sure. Oh, the gumdrops? Wasn't that one of the things yeah, you said? Like yeah. gumdrops? Yeah. Yeah. And marshmallows are... Marshmallows. Yeah. I can taste the marshmallows, but only when I smell it. It says the finish is short and direct. Drier charred oak overpowers underlying tones of sweet vanilla and caramel. The light, sweeter flavors fade off, leaving just dried oak, leather, and a tad of tobacco leaf. An adequate adequate way to end the sip. But it doesn't shine as brightly as its counterparts for the finish. As its counterparts? Like probably the, the probably other, other their their other ones. How, lines. How, how many different bourbons or whiskeys would you have to taste to be able to write something like that? A, a lot. lot. Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot. Your palate has to be very refined. I actually do get the tobacco at the very at the end. end. I, do mm-hmm. uh, I do too. And they're right. It is a it is a shorter finish. It doesn't bother me as much as some of the like typically I don't like short finishes, but I'm okay with this one kind of. If you like the It's a good whiskey. It's if good. you like four roses if you like, yeah. um, oh, like 1792, something like that, you will like this bourbon. If you're more of a Knob Creek guy, uh, something like a little bit more aggressive, um, this one may not satisfy as much, but it's good though. How much was it? About 50 bucks. Too much. So we'll be right back. 
This segment of The Catholic Man Show is brought to you by The Catholic Woodworker. Go to thecatholicwoodworker.com for heirloom quality home, altars, crucifixes, and rosaries. It's also the only place where you can get the official rosary of The Catholic Man Show. Type in promo code TCMS for 10% off all purchases. TCMS for The Catholic Man Show. CatholicWoodworker.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Inahan, our special guest, the one and only Andrew Pudua, founder of the Institute of Excellence in Writing. If you would like to be excellent at writing and reading and arithmetic and other things, you can go there to the we, website. We, we don't really do much with math. Yeah, but you know it translates. Yeah, well, thinking skills yeah. is always good. Writing, what, yeah, I was trying to think, like, what is the thing that I hear on the writing Tritium? and thinking? Mm-hmm. Something, what's, what is it? Like, well, Francis Bacon, I think I even said this once on the show. Ba- Bacon said, um, reading makes a full man, and speaking maketh a ready man, and writing makes an exact man. So when you look at those things, you, you fill yourself up, and then you keep ready, you know. Give give a reason for your faith mm-hmm. to counter a lie when you see it, and then in writing it's like slow motion, so you can look at all the different angles of something, hopefully, mm-hmm. and, ideally. And the practice of all that should should be better thinking. Yes, and I think that's what I heard like on the radio podcast, the radio spots. Better reading, writing, and thinking, or something like that. Anyway, well, it's our ta- that's what I was shooting. Yeah, it's for. our tagline: listen, think, listen, speak, read, write, think. That's the tagline. So if you go to our website, that's what you see: the the arts Institute of, of Excellence and Writing for Institute for Institute for Institute and Institute for Excellence and Writing yeah. dot com. Yeah, no. got it. IEW, but we're not IEW dot com. IEW dot com. Yeah, that's way better. That's I I I was very I-E-W. fortunate. To be able to buy a three-letter domain name about twelve years ago, um, for less than a six-digit number. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because three-letter domain names are, are sky tough. high yeah. now. So I mean yeah. that, that that just that might be worth more than the whole business. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we did that, and uh, so we've talked a lot about education and stuff, and. Uh-huh. Yeah, homeschooling and yeah. Go back and uh, you can go back and see some of the other shows we've done with. If you just type in IEW on uh, the Catholic Man Show, all of our all of his shows will pop up, and they're they're all very excellent. Also, like so, it's worth doing. Yes, you guys are awesome to talk with today. We're going to talk about this. Is your idea uh, martyrdom and the moral imagination? Right. Well, this has been like the decade of death for me in that both my parents died, both my wife's parents died. I was there when three out of the four of them died. Mm -hmm. And I have had other people I know die. And it's just been odd because until about 10 years ago, I had never seen or experienced a death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my grandparents kind of just disappeared. I didn't have any connection with the reality of their death. Sure. And, so I've just been contemplating that a lot, you know, that that how do you prepare for death? Because if you think about it, 
it's the most important thing that's going to happen in your whole life. I mean, you think, yeah, right. We're preparing all for, to die. Yeah, I mean, you think, okay, what's the most important thing? Well, your education or getting married, you know, raising your kids, all that's true. Right. But, but the end, right. <laughs> both yeah. your baptism is up there, you know, like. literally and analogically, mm-hmm. uh, death is it. Uh-huh. So I've just been thinking about that a lot. And I was, um, very, very blessed my, you know, to see my mother, both of my wife's parents were, um, they were brought into the Catholic church within weeks of their, wow. of their death. Amazing. And, and uh, the grace was just so phenomenal, mm-hmm. so phenomenal. And, you know, it's funny, you know, we say as Catholics, we think a good death. Mm-hmm. And that just seems so antithetical to the popular mind. Like, how could death be good? Or it sounds like something like Japanese warrior mantra or something. Right, you know? right. A, a skewed perception. Right. And, and then I started thinking about, you know, where we're going in the world today. I mean, I grew up, I was born in 1960, and so I grew up, and it was just kind of like, the U.S. is a Christian country. That was just a de facto thing. It's a Christian country. It will always, it always has been, always will be. I don't even have to be Christian to get the benefits of living in a Christian country mm-hmm. because there are values that are shared. Mm-hmm. There are things that are learned in school that are good for people. And that was true for for a long time. Only, you know, in the last 10 years, particularly in the last three to five years, particularly in the last one year, it seems like that's just not true anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, do you ever feel like you live in a bubble? Absolutely. I know for a fact. We do. I mean, everybody I know... I have created the bubble that I lived in. And it's very like-minded. And when I hear somebody say something ridiculous, I think, well, that's got to be an anomaly... That right. There couldn't be a lot of people who think that way. No, I live in a bubble because I know that there are people who think that way. That's why I created the bubble that I live in. Right. It's but, a lovely place. But I think it can give us this kind of illusion of security. Like right. Everything's yeah, just sure. going to keep on going, and it's all going to be wonderful and fine, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to continue to have the same values, family values, and honesty, and integrity, and all those things that make a society good. Only it seems as though, you know, it's starting to erode in a, a way that's interfering with my bubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important. Um, now, I know, uh, I, I read the book, uh, Live Not By Lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you guys read that book? I've read it. I, I have not read it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you read it? Mm-hmm. Dang it. I mean, I'll... I have it on my. So here's the deal. By Rod Dreher. Yeah, yeah. It's on my queue right now. Yeah. But I am. Uh, I may have said this on the podcast. Or yeah, did I say it on I'm the really, podcast? Adam, I'm really proud of you. I took the plunge, and I am listening to The Hobbit and then The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. For the first time, ever. That's that's a, um, a big commitment. And so, yeah. and this is like a big deal for him because really, you have. I've I, tried to read The Hobbit a couple times, and. But, but it's almost like your first fiction. No. I mean, like, in a long time. What, no. what other fiction have you read? I mean, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, I've read a lot of series on, on like, The Last Kingdom. Um, I've read... I've read... Oh, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I've read a lot of fiction. Is, isn't that kind of like historical fiction, though? Uh, yes. Well, that yeah, counts. It's a, it, it, yeah, it, it counts. 
I mean, it's okay. not real. I mean, but I mean, when you read a book, what are you hoping to get out of it? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we're talking about the end. Like, you know, what's the end of this book? You know, what are we but hoping that's, to well, get? Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. Because, you know, like we've talked about this, and I used to feel the exact same way that I'm not going to read a fiction. I'm not going to read, mm-hmm. like, because I want, like, I want to actually, I'm a because I'm an adult. Right. Okay, like, right. I actually want to grow as a person. I'm not interested in fairy tales. Thank well, you. And, and I used to feel that way until I didn't feel that way anymore. And, like, now that's all I read. Mm-hmm. I don't read I've read Treasure, Treasure Island. That's another one. Re- okay. Like recently? Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's like a good one. Four months ago, five months ago. Oh, yeah. Well, when you, when so. you read a, a, a book like The Lord of the Rings, you're, you're or, I mean, there's a lot of books that would fall into that category, Treasure Island to some degree. Um, you're, you're touching on the heroic, right? Yeah. There's something that is so attractive to us mm-hmm. as men, I think in particular, mm-hmm. of the heroic. And, you know, it used to be like people would read things, you know, poems like Horatius of the Bridge. They'd read about, you know, the, the Spartans at Thermopylae. They would read about the, you know, D-Day invasion. Mm-hmm, we just mm-hmm. had the anniversary. Yeah. People talking about it. And you, you, there's a part of you that says, I would love to have a chance to die for a great reason. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The other part of you says, no, I'm happy to stay safe and you know most of you says that I be think. a dad be a grandpa do my business be comfortable prepare for the future yeah but but inside and i think that's what the books do they touch that desire for the heroic mm-hmm. and i think part of the reason that those types of books have become so important to so many people um especially outside the catholic world is because we've lost the cult of the saints. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, I mean, in the U.S., we never had a cult of the saints. We right. we were kind of a very Calvinist, you know, Puritan, even, Protestant. Even though heritage. lots of cities and states are named after sure. important things. Sure, but but, but we, we lost that idea of yeah. the supernatural efficacy uh, of sacrifice mm-hmm. and faith, mm-hmm. and I think we're just. We just want to live that again and again. So I, I had this uh, experience many years ago. Someone gave me a book, and I didn't really want it, but I, I read it anyway. It was a short book, so it was easy. It was called Raising Them Right. And the author was Theophan the Recluse. Okay, you're okay. like, what would a guy named Theophan the Recluse know about raising children? Right. This is a book on education. Okay. So anyway, I read the book, and it you know was not hard. Evidently, Theophan the Recluse was a he's considered a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Lived hmm. in the 1800s. He was a hermit. Wrote voluminously. Oh yeah, okay. Theophan. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've I've come across some of his writings in um, something else that I was reading recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's referenced. But anyway, this book was was saying the whole end, the whole purpose, everything in education, is directed toward the cultivation of appetites. And that's mm-hmm. a super Catholic idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so, okay, I can follow that. Then he says, well, the appetites of a Christian should be to follow Christ. Okay. I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah. And then he says to follow Christ means to live a life of service and suffering 
and and sacrifice yeah. and to ascend even to the, to the death. Oh, he didn't say that. Never mind. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> you could go there, but David, come on. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be right back. Talking with Andrew Poodle, we'll pick up right, right, right there. Sure. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with Andrew Pudua, founder of IEW. Check out IEW.com, especially if you are a homeschool family. It will greatly benefit you. Or school teachers. Or school we teachers. Do a lot of help with schools and school teachers mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so. yeah but, you really make, you guys make products for all, all kinds of education. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything pertaining to listening, speaking, reading, writing, all levels. I just finished recording... Uh, a 12-week course called University Ready Writing, which is really aimed at that, you know, highest level high school or college student. And oh, it's going to be a great course. We should, we should start selling it. I should take it. January next year. <laughs> I'll, prob- I'll give you one. I'm probably... <laughs> I need to take it. I'm probably not uh, ready to take it. Probably, <laughs> wait, wait. Either, you're, you're the director of communications. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Twitter only allows so many. Yeah, characters. two hundred forty oh, characters. Right, so there you go. I can I can do hot hot takes. I, I just want to say really good at hot takes. Our conversation between these last segments was so good. I forgot we weren't on the show while we were doing it. Like, so but you can go check it out on go, YouTube. Yeah, go uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel so yeah. you can definitely subscribe. get the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. It's really sometimes better than the show. Like really good. <laughs> yeah, it's like the best stuff. Well, it's like the outtakes of the movie make you laugh right. more than right. Than sure. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so what about Rod Dreher's book? No, Theophan. Oh, I'm oh yeah, sorry. yeah. Let's okay. let's finish up on that. Sure. The Reckless. Sure. So yeah. the <laughs> the recluse. The recluse. Just, yeah. Well, it would be a little reckless to be a recluse in many ways. But so I read this book and and I thought this is horrible because <laughs> I don't have the appetites of a Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, okay, service is fine. If you get paid, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Surrender. That's why you get married. Uh, sacrifice? No, I'm not really so into it. Suffering? I would avoid that. Right. And I just thought, wow, my appetites are like first class upgrades, temperature controlled environments, expensive healthy food, enough money in the bank not to worry. And I thought, I am so disconnected from this. How in the world would I ever teach my children? Mm-hmm. If that's the end of education, and that's when I realized. I can't do it by example, but I can try to do it through literature. Because when you read the stories of heroic sacrifice, and, and you get, you know, whether it's a true story, like a, martyr, a story of a great martyr, or a fiction book like Tale of Two Cities, you know, the, the greatest thing I have ever done is to lay down my life, right, for, for a, another man to give up. And I thought, that's how we cultivate the moral imagination in children. We have to read these stories of sacrifice if we want to get them to a point where, indeed, they would choose death over denying Christ. Because honestly, I don't know, if someone put a gun to my head and said, deny Christ or die right now, what would I do? 
I mean, yeah. I hope I knew what I would do. Yeah, mentally you have the idea that you know what you would do. Yeah. But. but when that level of actual fear hits, yeah, and, and that's where I found Dreyer's book just very powerful because, you know, he talks about fear and, and, and lies and the, the lies that were instilled to inst- in the cultures of Nazi Germany and the Soviet era, that, that it was all about keeping people so afraid that they couldn't, they couldn't fight against it. Mm-hmm. And, and so he was interviewing um, people who had lived through mm-hmm. or kids of people who had lived through that era saying, how did your family stay intact? How did you keep your faith? How did you not succumb to the lies? And that's what's so inspiring about I mean, I highly recommend that book. Yeah, I but, do too. But I, I will share with you a personal failure that I'm, I'm trying to rectify. And it's so stupid, I'm kind of embarrassed. Only I think there's other people who have had flashes of thought like I had that are just about fear. And, and I remember St. John Paul II II, first thing he said as Pope. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend, a good friend. I have great respect for her. She's running for Congress uh, out of the state of Washington. And she's just a tremendous, tremendous encouraging person to everybody, big in the homeschool world. And she felt strongly called to run for Congress. Okay, that's great. I love it. I'm all, all happy to give lip service and support her. And then I thought, well, I should, give, I should donate money. And then I thought, wait a minute. My name will go on a list. If I donate money to that political campaign, my name will exist attached to that. And the hatred of her faith and the hatred of her support you know, for President Trump and some of the things that he did that were actually very good for the country and, and the pro-life, you know, movement. Uh-huh. And I thought, I don't want to get my name on a list because then what could happen? Because mm-hmm. right, then they, they'll know. They'll know. And they, they could come after me. That mm-hmm. They could sick the IRS and make me do an audit that would be like so awful and frustrating and time-consuming, even... Even if I didn't have to pay more money, it'd still be like a, a bricks around my neck. And, and then who knows what worse could come. And yeah, and then I thought, well, I'm willing to suffer. But what about my family and my company, all my coworkers and all the good I could do? Do, do you see how this works? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see the train of thought. Yeah, I, I was just disgusted with myself to be that afraid over exercising that small amount of political right, of freedom of speech. Well, that's why you send them cash or Bitcoin or something. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about like the building up virtue. Just right. send it. Just, just send them some Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, but I, I'm just using that as an example, right? To say, wow, I am so attached to my security. Mm-hmm. This is totally interfering. You wouldn't donate to a campaign that you thought was worthy with my exercise of my of my rights that exist mm-hmm. to protect 
the country I love to protect the freedoms we have. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I it, yeah, it just hit me. It hit me like I, the early Christians would never have thought, oh no, I don't want to say anything. I might get hurt. I might my head may be right. no, removed from my no. shoulders. That's why <laughs> right. we need to study the I early mean, Christians. I think and the there martyrs. were times where they, you know, like didn't like volunteer, like oh. Hey, I'm a Christian. The, come kill the, me too. The Maximilian Colby, you know, right? They didn't, do, they didn't pull that. You know, hard. it's not like that's what they're doing. But when they were confronted about it, they knew that they had to, you know, like that they were compelled that the that the truth of what they had found compelled them to be, you know, I can't deny it. Once you have found that truth, you just can't deny it anymore, right? right. And like our faith, I think faith is so easy these days. Yes. Back then, like in the early days of the church, they knew there's nothing easy about this. You know, coming from a Jewish culture, like they knew I'm leaving behind in some ways, you know, like my previous church. There's a new church, you know, and I'm leaving everything that our culture has stood for. Like there was kind of an abandonment that had to take place for the first Christians um, they used to leave everything, literally yeah. everything behind. I mean, all the cultures, everything means like you can eat pigs now, you know, and it's like crazy. I mean, there's a, actually, I mean, that may have been like a big attraction. Like, <laughs> hey, like, we're well, eating bacon. I, you know, you I, th- know? I think it, the, the problem is we have become so attached to security and safety. Right. Both collectively and individually. And convenience. That and too. convenience too. And so... What's going to happen in the next ten years, twenty years, and and you you look and you say, are we any smarter than the Germans in the thirties, Americans? Are we any smarter? Well, definitely, but uh, and, and most of us, most of the young people, we're not necessarily more moral, but we're definitely most smarter. of the young people don't even know the history of it. Oh yeah, that's, right. true. That, that's, that's not, true. not in the schools anymore. Mm-hmm. Are we any smarter than the Russians? who, who mm-hmm. idolized Lenin and Stalin because they were promised safety, security, equality, right. all these wonderful things. And um, my wife and I watched a documentary about Stalin recently, and it was pointing out that you know he, he became the god. He became essentially yeah. the great father of all because they had successfully rejected their faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so I I don't have an easy solution here, but I do think we need to continue the conversation. You know, one of the things I liked about Dreyer's book was that he talked about the mental games of what are called Ketman, that good people played with themselves as a way of justifying their cooperation with the state uh, in Russia. Right. Uh, And I'm not going to be able to give like an accurate description of what Ketman is, but it's essentially rationalizing your participation in this. It's like, well, I know that they're asking me to do something bad, but if I don't do it, somebody else somebody is going to do it too. anyway. Sure. So I might as well keep my head and just like go along with it or, you know, like just stuff like that. Or I'm going to, I'm going to participate, but really I'm going to do this bad stuff so that I can like be a spy, you know, or like, or, you know, so I can, try to maybe convince some people on the inside, you know, that this is not good. But really, it's like, no, you're not doing that. And I think a lot of, a lot of people said, well, I'm going to play along with it 
for not for me personally, but my family. For my family, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the decision for their safety and security. Right. And is that the right decision? Yeah. It's Ask the mom who like watched nine of her sons die in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the, for the sake of truth, that's tough. That's tough. We'll be right back. Was it? Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last thirty-four years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to The Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. With Adam Minahan and Andrew Prost. You said Andrew and Posada? I, I almost. I started to. Andrew Pudua. With Juan Posada. With Juan Posada on the buttons. And once again, when we say on the buttons, we mean figuratively no speaking. One, no he's one. not literally on the buttons. People think that he's probably literally on the buttons. I don't think anybody does. You know, like Big, the movie where he was on the piano. I think that's what they think Juan is doing. Like we have... Big you buttons. should see the dance he's doing just to make this all happen. It's pretty impressive. It, it, I mean, you should show people just the the screen and the setup and how many glasses are on his table. Yeah, well, he does. There are actually a lot of glasses over there, but it's not his. It's not his. So. I, don't, I don't think he's responsible for them. It's just the glass storage. The so, glass graveyard. Uh, Mr. Pudua, have you seen the movie A Hidden Life? Long time ago. Uh, refresh it, me. East Germany. Uh, Austria. Austria. Yes, I think Austria. It's the uh, story of Blessed Franz Jägerstatter, uh, who the Germans come in and take oh, over. Oh, I just read about this. It's different than I thought you were talking about, and it looks fascinating. Yes. Okay, yeah, so it's, that's your homework, is to watch this okay, movie. Okay, I will um, do it. Have you, you probably haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I have so not. It's, just, it's, a, it's a movie that I think is um, so powerful. It's, it's exactly what the kind of thing that we're talking about. Blessed Franz Jägerstatter, he's a quiet, he's a farmer, in a quiet Austrian village. Right. Um, and then... Kind oh, of, Dreyer talks about this movie in you know his what? book. Yes, he does mention yes. Franz... Yes, he does mention Franz uh, Jägerstatter in the in the book, yes. Yeah. Um, the, the movie is also... It's beautiful. It's slow. There's very little dialogue, but it's, it's packed with just... Uh, it's a cinematic masterpiece. Aesthetically pleasing. I think, really, yeah. Like, the cinematography is amazing. Um... But anyway, it's just, I think he's a good example, someone to look to for a man who's living a peaceful, quiet life. And then out of nowhere, um, you know, Germany takes over Austria and he's drafted into the military and he won't sign the, and he, he was uh, willing to 
you know, be in the military. He was like, make me a, a medic or something. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do my part, whatever. Um, but he was not, he would not sign the uh, allegiant, the, the pledge mm-hmm. to Hitler, mm-hmm. where he, he would pledge his allegiance to Hitler. He said, I just can't, I can't do it. You know, and, here, and what were the consequences of that? Uh, he was he was put in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a, a, a very powerful scene in this movie, and I'm not giving anything away. It's just it is a beautiful scene where there's a lawyer. He's a, um, you know like assigned to him to represent him, and he's working very hard to get Franz out of jail for years. And finally, he gets like a deal where they change the pledge around, so it's kind of a little bit more wishy washy. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Here, sign this," and he reads it and he says, "I can't sign it." Mm. No, I, can't, I can't do it. And the lawyer says, if you sign this, you will be free. And Franz looks at him and goes, I am free. Mm. You know, it's just so powerful that because is. you realize he's the only in the, like the whole country. There is one free man in this entire country and he's the one in prison who's getting beat up by the guards all the time, you know? And it's like, it's so easy to, to justify, like when you said earlier, if someone puts a gun to your head and says, deny Christ or you're going to die, you know, like, the thoughts that are going to run through my head, I think, are like, what about my kids? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to deny Christ because my kids need a father. Right. You know what I... But, um, and how are you not going to think that? How are you not going to have those feelings in that moment? But it, at the end of the day, we should have to remember, who is it that's taking care of your children? Right. Is it you or is it or is it their real father? And And what example would you leave them? Right. You know, exactly, and and what's more valuable, mm-hmm. and what are you teaching them if not that this is what you're supposed to do yeah. when you and say, stand for when yeah. you when you die for I mean it's like yes that's the ultimate lesson that you could ever t- I mean like the right thing to do is to die yeah you can't deny Christ and, for anything know, children they have a spiritual sensitivity to this my my six year old granddaughter said to me today I was out there Clerk Creek we're going to go to mass she goes. Going to Mass is the most important thing, except going to heaven. And they're kind of the same, because oh. you get to see Jesus. Wow. I'm like, whoa, this is a... There's like 80% of the Catholics who couldn't articulate that well. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> well. When you said the first part, I was thinking like, yeah, and they're kind of the same. And then it's like, oh, she said that? No way. She did. No, she... I'm Absolutely, she said that to me this morning. Wow. And wow. I just thought... That's so beautiful, and it's so clear, and it's so simple. And then I immediately thought when Jesus said, you have to be like a child mm-hmm. to, to even get into heaven. You've yeah. got to think like that. You've got to love like that. You've got to believe like that. The other day, my four-year-old, they got back from Holy Mass, and I said, like, hey, did you guys go to Holy Mass? And she said, yeah. And I said, was Jesus there? And she said, yeah. Mom ate him. <laughs> And she was like, oh, mom ate him. And it was just really funny. He's like, you know what? I think you're ready for your first communion. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, she did. Andrew, it's fear is so interesting though, right? I mean, because if you if you sit back and really reflect, everybody's fearful of something. Whether it's something you can see or whether it's something you can't see, uh, whether it's death, whether it's suffering. But the saints, it's very interesting how the saints, 
did not fear death. They desired death because mm-hmm. they know that this this is not their end, but heaven is their their end. Yet it's almost like this paradox of they didn't want to quite die yet because they they embraced the cross so well mm-hmm. and actually had a deep desire for a suffering to offer up to Christ before they did before they died. And and the faith that God would use that suffering that that their extended time, however long that is, a day, a year, a decade, would be bringing more good, more of God's truth mm-hmm. into the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's where we can kind of say, all right, I, I would like to be ready to die mm-hmm. right now. And if I continue to live past that, I really want all that time to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know, for God's goodness, for God's glory, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's just hard to keep that in mind all the time when you're living in this world that's basically just lying to you mm-hmm. continuously. Right, and that was yeah. Dreyer's point: is you know, you may have to live in a world of lies, but you don't have to let the lies live in you. Yeah, that's a good way to say <clears throat> it. He said it. Yeah. Oh. That was right out of the book. He said that literally. Well, he he said it well then. Because he's speaking specifically about communist Russia that was like absolutely literally a world of lies. Yeah, Yeah. but you know... And it's it's not that it's not true for us in America or in other countries, you know, today. It's just not as overt. No, you know, I've been been doing this um, compline every night. Mm-hmm. With my wife because mm-hmm. she's an oblate. It's my and, favorite. Compline is my favorite, and th- it comes up frequently. This Psalm eleven, and so you know, I haven't really been a, a heavy reader of Psalms to be honest. I, you know, but with the Compline, it just keeps coming at you, and this one just strikes me. It's like every time I read this, it's save me, O Lord, for there is now no saint. Truths are decayed from among the children of men. They have spoken vain things, everyone to his neighbor, with deceitful lips and a double heart have they spoken. It's like, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of feel like that's what's going on today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, what what are we called to? And that's just surrender, you know. Give give your life up. Interest, yeah. The, the the trick is, you know, how to do that. How do you think it? So so practically speaking, like, so if, if we're trying to prepare for martyrdom, or we're trying to prepare for death in general, like a martyrdom at least to self, um, so that you will die well mm-hmm. and, and and suffer well. Uh, what are some of the things that you may have done, little things or or day to day things that have been able to Virtue is a habit. It is continually working towards, hmm. um, you know, finding that that medium. Um, what some? Well, you know, what we were talking earlier about. Uh, I kind of had a lifestyle change, right? Right, and so physical, mental, spiritual. Why? Why even bother trying to get better? And I had this flash, like God said to me, kinda. It wasn't like absolutely clear, but it was a strong feeling, like you need to be stronger because of what's coming. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of that is how do you get stronger, mentally stronger, spiritually stronger, and even physically stronger. And I, I kind of realized, wow, you know, if I'm just a wimp, I, I'm not going to be able to deal with what comes as well as I might be mm-hmm. if I am more prepared. So, you know, for me, that was a particular combination of things, yeah. and I really want to continue in that direction. Um, What's the benefit of having a bunch of muscles and being smart and healthy? Well, you're you going to die anyway. But you still look good when you're dead. <laughs> no. The glorified body no. looks so much better. No. I don't <laughs> think so. But, you know, but, but I can imagine, well, what if it is a case where we actually experience persecution mm-hmm. and yeah. there's hatred of Christians? Yeah. Are we strong enough? The key is that we have to be prepared to suffer small things first. We we cannot yeah. give ground at all. Which I wouldn't let's keep talking about this. Like that day in the gym that I hate. Right. Is okay. It. Yeah. It's okay. Because it's okay to do something that you hate. Maybe even good. Uh, we're gonna keep talking about this, so go to the podcast if you want to hear the rest of our conversation. This is the Catholic Man Show with Adam and Han. And David Niles, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. It always goes so fast. Like, it does. Yeah. Did you forget your name? Did you almost forget your name? Uh, no. Because you said, this is the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan. And just like... And like you had a, a, <laughs> well, usually a hard you, pause. Usually you say that part. Right, I know. But you just had a hard pause like, after Adam like, Minahan. <laughs> it's like, uh, are you stroking it's out, bud? Like, or like, something dude. isn't right about this. Yeah. Like, what's... There's something... What, I don't know. So here's... Here's what I think about martyr, this kind of martyrdom is that I think it, in some ways it's easy to say, yep, I would die for Christ. Like someone puts, if someone came in with a gun, I'd be like, yes, shoot me because I'm a Christian. It's almost because it's easier out. Because it's right? big. Like, it's like the big stuff. Mm-hmm. The hard, this is where the, the hard part is like, oh, well, what if it's like a small thing? Like, yeah. hey, we're all wearing the pride, uh, the pride flag buttons right. today here mm-hmm. in the office, mm-hmm. just here in the office. You don't have to wear it out, you know, but like just today, uh, as a just to, you know, for our own office community as a way of like, you know, bringing unity together, we're all going to wear the pride flag button. Here's yours. Uh, it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing where it's like, it's where at, in the moment you might think, like, you know what? I'm just going to wear the stupid button. Like, this isn't worth. Uh, it's like, not the hill to die on. Exactly where you think I'm not. This isn't the hill I'm going to die on. Yeah. Like I'm going to lose my job. What am I going to do? Like is this? Am I going to lose my job over this stupid button? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, I so I think a lot of people they wear the button. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's stuff like that where we lose the battle. And that's kind of what Dreyer was talking about too. It's like you just gradually become assimilated into the lie. Mm-hmm. And, and you rationalize it the whole way. So where do you draw the line? I mean, you, you hopefully get a job where that doesn't ever happen. But, you know, lots and but lots of people is, are out you there. You might not be able to. Yeah. those. I mean, depending on what part of the country you live in, that job might not exist, you know? Um, and that's so that these are the things that we need to confront, you know, that we need to be... At least when they happen, mm-hmm. we need to have considered them, weighed weighed them, and pondered like, what is my what is my what's my choice? Because uh, you're gonna have to make a choice. 
don't just be compliant in the moment because like, well, I was told to wear the butt, you know, like mm-hmm. d- be a man, make it you like you have to be ready to make a choice about it, decide who you are and what you stand for. Right. Um, and maybe maybe you uh, leave for the maybe it comes down to you leave the office for the day mm-hmm. because, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not si- don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying you need to lose your job over the button. Uh, it's not like one or the other, probably, but I, I don't think you can wear the button. That's what I think. Well, and that's kind of an easy one because it's a clear moral issue. Right. There are things that are less clear, mm-hmm. and you get into the whole critical race theory and the you know vaccine passport world and that whole thing, and that's harder to navigate because it's still eroding freedoms, but it's not the moral issue in the exact clear way that the pride button would be. Uh-huh. You're right. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it's, the, but that's why I say it's the small things where like the, this idea of a martyrdom actually is going to come into play for most people. I mean, like, I, I don't think most people listening to our podcast are actually going to have to lay down their life. Maybe some of them will. I mean, like, some of them very well might, you know, is it going to be because the government is doing it or is because a, a one person, you know, who knows? But um, it, all of us, I think, are going to face these small martyrdoms mm-hmm. where we have to be willing to either be viewed as a pariah, you know, or be hated by others because we wouldn't go along. And if you don't accept that, that's the suffering that we were talking about earlier that has to be accepted. And... um you know, like that, we need to be ready for it. Yeah, and you know, Jesus said it's going to be you know, child against parent and right. brother against brother, and and you will be hated for for my sake. And yeah. and I figured out my my biggest problem is I want everyone to like me. I'm I'm profoundly attached to having everyone like me. I hate it when people don't like anything about me. But what is that? That is just. That's pride in its mm-hmm. primal, it, most ugly circumstance. It, I was praying through the the, lit, the litany of humility, mm. and it's such a hard prayer to think of. Yeah, these would be the fruits of the martyrdom, the humiliation, mm. the being ignored, the not to be consulted, not to be loved, you know, not to be desired, not to be. And it's, those would be the fruits of the martyrdom. Yet, when I pray them, it feels like a very shadow prayer mm-hmm. like poverty all these things i'm saying these words but i'm not sure i'm meaning them right sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a hard one to yeah it's a hard one to really mean yeah something i've been thinking about recently i've just kind of been reflecting on some of the things that i've done in the past and, and, and actually last week's conversation that we had briefly on sports and like mm-hmm. the, the positives and negatives of like putting your kids in organized mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. Something that Dave and I have been wrestling with like crazy. We'll, we'll probably do an epi- a full no, episode on it. At some no point. pun intended. Yeah, wrestling No, with no, it. it's, yeah. it's it's really a tough one. It's a you tough know, one. Especially when your kids are hitting that age. Where they're competitive, they're good at sports, sports you know. So, yeah. But one of the things that I, I remember that I realized playing sports is how mentally weak I was until I played sports. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of my body is wanting to shut down and I'm, I'm, my, men, 
my mental capacity is saying like, yep, give in, cave in, Mm -hmm. uh, give up. And so you ultimately do that or you have a team around you that is pushing you further, that is telling you, no, you can't give up. We are relying on you. We are counting on you to continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. You all of a sudden are able to do things that you think there's no way I could do. There's no way I could run a 400 meters in under 60 seconds. No way. And then you have a four by four relay and your team is saying like, listen, you got to be at 52 seconds, not 60 seconds, but 52 seconds for us to be competitive. And then all of a sudden you start training and you start working and you start pushing your right. body way further than what you would ever imagine. And one person broke the four minute mile and then everybody and broke everybody it. And everybody broke right. it. Right. You know, and so it's this mentality of like, I was thinking about this the other night laying in bed and I realized how mentally weak I have become because of my complacency, because of just uh, not pushing myself spiritually or physically or uh, intellectually. Uh, I, I, I cave very easily compared to my 18, 19, 20-year-old self. Yeah. Uh, adversity was something that I could overcome very easily mm-hmm. in 18, 19, 20, 22 years old uh, because I had this dedication. I had this rhythm of life of, of continually climbing that mountain uh, and, and, and like achieving it and constantly going over the top and and feeling like, okay, I did this. I didn't realize I could do this. And so I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking, okay, well, I, I feel very weak right now. Like I feel mentally weak. And I thought, you know, I bet there's a lot of men out there who don't even realize how mentally weak they are Mm -hmm. because they've never had that moment of, of a brother, you know, grabbing them by the shirt and say, let's go. They they haven't had that D day moment Mm -hmm. of looking around and saying like, I got. I re, I gotta have you here. Like we gotta keep moving, uh, and I think that when we're talking about preparing ourselves mentally for death, and we're preparing ourselves mentally for uh, guarding our moral imagination, and, and and all. I mean, everything that we've talked about this evening. I think that we have to focus on these little things, like you were saying, Dave, but on this on the mental strength, on mentally being able to to push ourselves further. It's the, no, I should read, I should get up a little bit earlier to read, uh, you, you know, maybe the Psalms, or I should get up a little earlier to be able to read a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, why am I not working out? Why am I not doing things that will better myself for my family? Uh, I've had this very internal struggle recently on on this idea of just being mentally weak. Um and not realizing how mentally weak I am until I have a self-reflection of, of, mm-hmm. of, of prior. And I think maybe um, that could be the importance of having good friends around you. That Absolutely. You know, for me, it was martial arts, you know, as a young person that got me past my comfort zone. But I do agree with you that community is going to be critical for, you know, a a strengthening of of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the church does that, but we need we need personal relationships mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. We need things like the Catholic Man Show. We need the the good books and the fellowship and the conversations, um, because that that keeps us moving forward. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like you're saying, and you need community. Yeah, and. You know, I'm I'm on the other side of it all with grown kids coming in, you know, to the last decade or 
plus or minus uh, of career. And so in my case, it's a little even harder because it's like, okay, uh, I can just relax a little. I can you've just put in the work. Little, you know, you know, it's time to reap the benefits yeah. of, the, of the work that you've put and, in. And so that's what I'm fighting against. Sure, I can see that easily. In, in yeah. that same same way, like, okay. And I guess th- there is that start at the physical level because that's what you prove to yourself you can do something you didn't think you could do. And, mm-hmm. and it's obvious. And then, you know, move on. The other thing I've been you know, personally trying to do is work more on memory, you know, and just like, it's incredible. If you just spend 10 minutes every day trying to memorize stuff, you can just add to your repertoire of memorized stuff rapidly. Mm -hmm. But it is really easy to go four, five, six, seven, 10, 12 days without doing that for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So part, part of what I did was I got a big spreadsheet and I started to list all the things I'm trying to do every day and just keep track. You know, and not beat myself up, but be able to say, okay, I did, you know, X minutes of this and this many of that. And there's something about, you know, that accounting that is reaffirming. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can do this another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think we just lost that so much in, well, certainly in education. You know, kids don't grow up with that, those levels of challenge anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. especially you know in schools they're just not set up to cultivate discipline basic discipline Mm -hmm. they're not allowed to discipline right that's that's also an issue and and it and again it's sports that that saves a lot of kids in -hmm. schools because you can discipline in sports you can you have to if you stop doing that it completely collapses sure you know same thing like music right Mm -hmm. if if you're not disciplined about music the whole thing just disintegrates Mm-hmm. Um, and so more and more, and and that should be a big part of your domestic church idea, you know, is how do we in the home church cultivate this joy in challenging ourselves mm-hmm. and encouraging each other and acknowledging, but not resting forever, right. you know, rest one day. Right and the, work the others. And one of the one of the things that I've I, I have realized also in like continually trying to grow, like trying to push myself, like what you're saying, like memorize things for ten minutes, is piggybacking off of already good habits established, right? So like if I already have something, like if I already pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which only takes you know four and a half minutes uh, at three p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well I already have that good habit in like instilled in me. Well. Maybe right after that good habit that I'm already doing, I spend 10 minutes memorizing something. Right. You know, because I already have this habit, and so you can kind of bleed one add, habit, add on to add it, on to it mm-hmm. and bleed into another habit to form mm-hmm. um, that will help you. And, and, and it's amazing how how quick those these habits can form when you piggyback off of existing good yeah. habits. This, this is a whole a whole other topic additional yeah. topic sure. to explore in depth but i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah and it's sometimes just really little things mm-hmm. it's the small small things and, that... and you just i don't want to do that but i could mm-hmm. and i just did something i didn't really want to do and it was good so i'll do this next thing and then you're like i'm so glad i did that mm-hmm. right and and that's just kind of the way i think you know god is merciful he gives us joy when we need it he gives us that sense of 
of I, I don't know values the right word, but right. but you 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 feel like you are valuing the thing that was hard, and it's a right and good thing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you need to get to the point where you do these things like not because you're so proud of yourself for doing them, but just because like that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a question about whether you will do them. You know that you will do them, obviously, because it's just the right thing to do. Like. Like when you go to the gym, I don't, why do you go to the gym? I don't know. Like I just, that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the, the habit eliminates the, the temptation to rationalize yourself out of that thing that you're going to do. Right. But, but, <laughs> My wife's doing this year long novena of prayers to St. Bridget or mm. St. Bridget. Yeah. I don't know this particular novena, but mm-hmm. it takes her about 20 minutes a day. Yeah, what is it like? Twelve Our Fathers or something? I, I, it's a whole thing. No, it's like and there's a twelve-year novena to Saint Bridget as well. A twelve-year novena? My dad has completed it. Hey, Dave's doing it right now. I'm in year eight. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, we did a whole episode on that. Wow, you guys are spiritual heavyweights here. He is. I'm it, not. It, it only takes about ten minutes though. Okay, but ten minutes every day. A twelve-year novena. Yeah, twelve-year novena. Mm-hmm. I could die before I finish that one. <laughs> Well, if you do, <laughs> I'd be better off for it. St. Bridget, it counts as if you finished. Okay. If you die yeah. before you're the done. Pro- one of the promises is if you had the intent to do it and you die before you're finished. Before you could finish, it, then it counts. Oh, wow. So you did a whole episode on this thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Really, uh, the, like, there's these these promises. There's they're, they're um, I don't know if dubious is the right word. Uh, they're unverified. It's their sure. It's a it's a private revelation. So. Private revelation, mm-hmm. but also like the promises that have somehow become attached to them cannot be traced directly to the writings of Saint Bridget, mm-hmm. and so they like they they believe like maybe it was one of her successors, kind of like to a- promote added it or, these in or, or something. But the the prayers themselves are some of the most beautiful prayers I've I've ever encountered. That's why I pray them. It's because. I, de- I, de- I have developed now a desire, education, formed my, my a- the, saying them for a couple of years, formed my appetites to desire these, praying these things. It's like, it covers the basis of everything that you should be praying for every day. Like, if I didn't say these prayers, well, I'd have to do something else that would take just as long because, like, I, sh- I know now I should be praying for these things. Mm. You know, whether it's, like, for... Uh, like the protection of sin, mortal sin for your children, or um, like the development of uh, healthy relationships between men and women. And I mean, it just like goes on. Anyway, go listen to the episode. It's I I, I will. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Andrew, it's always a pleasure to hang out with you. It, It always goes by way too fast. Um, maybe we can do another episode soon. I want to say, uh, just like I want to say this. You mentioned it earlier that education, the purpose is to form the appetites. Uh, that was the first thing I ever heard you say. Um, you came to a theology on tap. That was the first time oh. I ever heard you talk. Oh. This is later, like eight years ago, yeah, probably. Because um, I wasn't married yet. Um, I was. The reason I was there is because uh, I knew he that, was searching. That, I knew that Pamela would be there. <laughs> 
And so that's why I was there. Uh-huh. I was. I'm glad that you were there too. Um, <laughs> I, I you were accidental cause. That, you have yeah. an accident. You're accidental cause of this whole thing. But. but I remember you telling your story about like why you moved from California, and uh, you talked about purpose of education was to form the appetites. And when you said that, it was just like that is exactly right. That's like I. It's just I just knew that that was true. And so like I've had talks with other people who are like education professionals yeah and i've asked them that question what's the purpose of education they can't give you a good answer Mm. it's like you have a master's or a doctorate in education and you can't even like i ask you a basic question what's the purpose of education the more education about education that someone has the less likely they are to have any clue what it really is it's uh, it's shocking yeah. And then when I tell them, it's like, well, I don't know. I heard a good definition in like to form the appetites. They look at me like, what? Yeah. You know, it's like, no, that's not it. It's to, it's to equip and prepare children for the future world. And it's like, you know what? You're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, or what is the, what future like, world I, are you envisioning? Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm really done talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can see right now this is not good. this is going nowhere. And I've I've mentioned many of times uh, on the show and to other people who listen to this show outside of the show about um, my prayer the prayer board that I have uh, at my dining room table in my kitchen and you were the you were the cause of that and you're the prayer board inspiree. Oh wow! Yeah, oh. I have it too. Yeah, and he has one. T- I mean, so there's a lot of things that I've I have pulled from you that I have uh, like. Are near and dear to my family's heart, and I'm very, very grateful for you. Well, also, all my daughters know Ooey Gooey. Ooey Gooey, yeah, Ooey Gooey's got a lot of traction there. And like, <laughs> you got to keep going with it. If though. you have, got to like get a, past celery and into Jonathan Bing. No, they know a lot of they know a lot of poetry. They can <laughs> actually they they do know a lot of poetry. And actually, Wonderful. now because they know poetry, I have learned it because yeah. they've repeated it for me so many times, and it's so cute. Like, you remember it, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you know, if you have like a three year old kid. You got to teach him "Ooey Gooey" because it's just the cutest poem for a three-year-old three kid to know. I'm going to make him go to the the website oh, okay. iew.com and you can find "Ooey Gooey" poetry. Gooey. Yeah, linguistic development through poetry memorization. Or you yeah. can find it over there. Well, nice hook. Thank you for sharing those things because you know you you always hope that the things you say, the Holy Spirit will use them mm-hmm. to bless people, and you often don't know how that happens, and. Uh, you know, I talk to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, like you do, on the podcast and different things. And you just think, okay, I'm just trusting that God will use me and the time in ways I will never know. Yeah. Well, it's nice every once in a while to see the fruits of your labor, and I'm very grateful for it. Well, you guys it's, are it's, awesome. it's changed my family's life, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, my family's prayer life, without a doubt. I mean, we do it every day, so... And I wouldn't have done it without, like, when you said that, it was like, it all clicked. And I was like, I got to do that. That is something that, like, I need to do. So I'm so grateful. Maybe. Sometimes I come over and my name's on the prayer board, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I have a, a funny story to close. Okay. Yeah. Juan's going to close with a funny about story. About the, the board. So I'm, we're starting with the theological virtues and the cardinal virtues. So, so okay, the theological virtues. Santiago, what are the theological virtues? Um. I can tell you, he goes, love. I was like, oh, good. So he knows love. So love. How old is he now? Uh, he's six in October. Okay. Love. So he's five. So yeah, he's five now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, love. 
uh, and then he starts naming other virtues and say, well, hope, you hope, and then uh, humility. Well, it's not humility. It starts with an F. So he's thinking, and he gives me this look like, I know. <laughs> it's humility. <laughs> humility. <laughs> so yeah. my, my five-year-old granddaughter, I was playing with her, and she was trying to open the door of my car, and I said, well, you got to say open sesame. And then when she did, I hit the key and yeah. the you door do opened. this too. Yeah, my uh, kids are convinced that I can. Yeah. So anyway, activated. Anyway, she 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 gets in, and then then we we go again. And she goes, open Gethsemane. <laughs> open oh, Gethsemane. <laughs> oh man. Well, no. <laughs> well, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank it's, you it's guys. A blast. God bless you. Cheers. <laughs>